Before we get properly into the Ricky and Clive wrestling show, this is just a wee disclaimer that the following episode is not a current content like sort of weekly product show. Due to holiday commitments and whatnot, had to put a couple of episodes in the can, so this one will just be a general wrestling one. I might actually have explained this already in the episode you are about to hear. Um, next week we will touch on the proper build for WrestleMania in our preview and predictions show. But in the meantime, I will actually be on Lords of Pain Radio this week on Thursday's Perfect Ten podcast, wrestling one. I am Lords of Pain Radio with Implications. We'll be talking all about 205 Live and the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament that's been going on in 205 Live. Speaking of 205 Live, I am also doing a weekly review now of that top-notch programme which is on socialsuplex.com as well as the, the results page of lordsofpain.net. So that's enough of me and my plugging. Here is the rest of the show and I hope you enjoy. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Thank you for once again downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. My name is Clive and I am joined by Ricky. How are you this evening, Ricky? Good evening. Yeah, I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm good, thanks. We are doing things a wee bit differently tonight. We are, due to future sort of holiday commitments and other projects that are going on, we're doing a podcast, getting one in the can for this evening for a future release. So this isn't going to be talking about the current product, so to speak. Ricky and myself, we are just going to have a sort of general back and forth about wrestling, daft topics like what's your favourite era, best wrestler, fantasy booking, feuds and runs, all that sort of stuff. Just the sort of chat that you would have with your friends about wrestling in a pub, if you actually do talk about wrestling in a pub. So, well, we'll just or, go to a, or go to a pub. I, if you go to a pub, uh-huh. there's that as well. So it's just going to be a relaxed sort of back and forth here, but we'll get things kicking off. Got a couple of questions each side of us. Ricky, do you want to bring us in with the first one? Yes. Um, here we go. So what was your favourite feud of all time? Oh, I've looked at the questions and I've struggled to sort of think of something ultimately that's my favourite. I talked a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that I really enjoyed the build-up to Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels leading up to WrestleMania 21 in 2005. But I think for longevity and just what it did for both wrestlers in terms of their legacy and getting them to that main event status, I think I'm going to have to go for Undertaker and Edge uh, in 2008. That was a really long story that they told there, starting off with Edge he was dressed as a cameraman in the Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker and Batista. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Undertaker was bested by Edge with the camera. 
that led up to a WrestleMania match between the two. And looking back, it sort of flew under the radar that match for quite some time. But looking back, it's crept up my list as one of my favourite matches, the Undertaker and Edge match that they had. The it was a story of reversals that night. Edge was on, on point. He he had a game plan that night. Uh, he wasn't going to let Undertaker get any off. Well, he did get offence in, but he knew how to counter it. And it made for a lot of exciting near falls as well. So there was that match. They had, I see off the top of my head, I can't even remember how many matches they had at pay-per-views. But the ones that jumped to the front of my mind are the TLC match that they had at Extreme Rules. The One Night Stand, I think it was called. Uh-huh. Um, ridiculous last ride off a ladder through a couple of tables and you had Undertaker doing something for his size and age should not have been done when you think about it when he flew off the ladder through the tables outside and then it all culminated at the Hell in a Cell match at the SummerSlam that year another crowning achievement for both men I thought it was just definitely ages, maybe his finest moment I think he had a really good run at the start of 2006 when they cashed in for the first time but I think overall this one has been great I was thinking as well about Seth and Dean and I don't know am I allowed to change my mind? <laughs> I mean you can give some honourable mentions if you want Honourable mention definitely to Seth and Dean however I just don't think that story's finished that's going to be a long time and especially if in the future Dean comes back from injury and he is no. That's that's got a that's got a Triple H Shawn Michaels sort of type feel to it. In the sense that you know how they were sometimes, obviously on and off. In the sense that DX was back together and then they were killing one another. Uh-huh. So I think that's got that kind of feel to it. Not going to say not going to say it's going to be as as big or as etc. as those two were, but it definitely has that kind of feel that even though we're probably going to get it in the near future again. We're going to then get it a couple of years later, and then you can guarantee we'll probably get it again a few years later. It's just it's, they've got that chemistry that, that works, and they do great. We put on good matches together. So, like you say, that probably would be a bit premature to put that one in at the moment because it's far, far from over. But it's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely one of my favourites. Anyway. Have you got an ultimate favourite? Um, see, it's difficult, I think. Like you said, there's a few honourable mentions in the sense of Edge Taker. Um, Punk Cena as well. Yeah. Um, for as much you want to criticise and say whatever you want, but Daniel Bryan versus Authority Aye, that was turned, turned out in the end to be really good. Um, obviously, they, they were forced to go in that direction. Um Taker, Shawn Michaels as well, Austin, Austin Rock, Austin Vince, they're all obvious. But for me, I'm going to go um, Taker Kane. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, you've, because, you were always a big fan of that time period with the whole Taker Kane um, stuff. Yep, because I think for the first time, I think, ever, like watching Taker Kane and what specifically seeing Kane, I think I was genuinely scared. Um, especially when he made his entrance and then everything else that sort of took place after that it was all where you saw um, Kane bringing out the quote unquote the, the coffin of his mother and father 
and then lit it on fire and stuff like that. And and I think he put Taker through at one point as well. Um, like at the time, we were just sitting thinking, like, "Oh my God, who the hell could do something like that to their mum and dad?" And it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, because it was like you were a young guy at the time well as well. At that point, um, and you had the, the first blood. Sorry, not the first blood. The, the Inferno match. Um, several, several other sort of moments where, like I say, it's more than anything, I think it just sort of scared me. <laughs> and and that and maybe maybe that's what's stuck in my mind about that feud, but that and also the fact that it didn't just sort of last over one or two months; it went on for a very 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 long time. And it was a kind of storyline that, in the sense that Dean and Sefer, that you just you went back to every now and then. But specifically for me, it was a first, first, uh, first, type, first, first, the first feud they had from Kane's debut leading up to the, the Inferno match and those matches etc after that it was just like I say it, it stuck in my head because I was I was so scared and at that time it just felt so real to me um, in context you should mention that you were just a young child at the time I was I'm not right, I'm not like a 60, 70 year old man at the moment we were only 31 so at that time what <sighs> what was that like I don't know, like twenty years ago. So, mm-hmm. so we were only about we were only about ten, eleven years old. So right. it's not as if the Kane Zack Ryder storyline terrified you. Maybe the booking terrified no. you for that, but <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Like, but that's what it was. Like back then, I think you could just sort of like it. You didn't obviously didn't know what was real, but even now looking back on it, like the story, the story itself was was absolutely amazing. Um, I wasn't ever really sure when Kane took that. Um, I'm not sure what it's called. You know how he put the little recorder up to his throat and he started talking <laughs> and stuff like that. The voice machine thing. Uh, that I don't really like that. But that promo that Taker cut as well when he was lying on the on the casket and the, the lightning came down and hit him. Aye, that's right. That was unbelievable because there was a line in it where he was saying something along the lines like. Where I've been, I've been like soothing the soles of my parents because I'm about to do the one thing I never promised to do. Like that gave me chills. And then when he said "rest in peace," like it was just because the entire crowd joined in. It was just so emphatic, and it was like that gave me chills. And I think the other cool thing about it is that not many people might not realise is that see right as Taker sits up, you can hear uh, him because I think they were really bad to run out of time that I read later on. That, um, you can hear Jerry Lawler on commentary saying, get up, Mark. <laughs> can Talk, you? Talking about Taker. You can right just as soon as Taker gets up, he goes, get up, Mark. And as he's saying it, Taker sits up and then you hear Jerry Lawler doing He's like, ah! <laughs> um, which was also kind of cool. I, I noticed that like a good few years later. I but can't remember that, that at is, all. That is my, my number one feud, without a doubt, I think. I, I mean, obviously, you'd mentioned there about Austin Vince and things like Sean and Brett. I mean, they are... They are obviously allowed to be in the conversation, but we're just trying to be a wee bit left field with our picks tonight. Because uh, cause obviously, like I say, um, I've said it on Twitter, like, like everyone can relate to Austin Vince. Like everyone can. And it, it, that was amazing because it just catapulted arguably two of the biggest names, well, and Vince's name arguably catapulted the greatest name we'll ever know in wrestling. Because um, before that, he was always just. The interview, sorry, interview the commentator and stuff like that, and 
at the time didn't have a clue he was the owner of the company um, so that catapulted those two to a level that no one probably thought was possible including them two mm-hmm. like, I know that Austin's during that time that was an incredible run that he had when he became like the king of the mountain Shout, shout out to TNA Impact there. <laughs> shout out to Jeff Jarrett. Shout out to Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> the Impact champ. Um, but as I say... That no, no, Caleb. Caleb's obsession is that NWA title. <laughs> the £10 of gold. <laughs> uh, obviously that face run that Austin had was excellent, but one of my favourite runs that he actually had and probably that I've overall enjoyed was when he turned heel at Wrestlemania 17 when he sided with the devil when he beat The Rock at Wrestlemania I get a lot of stick mm-hmm. that time period because of the invasion angle and stuff like that and I agree to a certain extent but at the time I didn't think about booking and stuff like that, it wasn't exactly kayfabe I knew it was all scripted and stuff like that but I didn't have that booking hat on And but I think one of the shining lights from that time was Austin's heel run it was it wasn't even a sort of cowardly shit heel. He was like a maniac. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just crazy to watch, and they had really excellent matches with the likes of Jericho and Benoit. I don't know if you remember, there was a SmackDown episode. It might have actually been the SmackDown after Jericho and Benoit won the tag titles. No, that's not right. That was a TLC match. A couple of SmackDowns after that. Benoit and Austin had a match on SmackDown and Benoit locked in 10 German suplexes to Austin and the, I mean, the crowd were going crazy but oh, oh, it was just so good so, Sorry for interrupting you but just think what you just said there you just said Benoit and Austin had a match on SmackDown <laughs> like, that's fucking insane Like I mean, that's just on a random SmackDown I know Benoit versus Austin like, I just showed you how amazing the talent was back then just how crazy but how crazy stacked the entire roster was but sorry for cutting you off people that's alright it's just I've got a very vivid memory of that match and the, the crowd were lapping it up uh, RVD Jericho, like Benoit and Jericho and Austin had a triple threat and then you had another triple threat with RVD and Kurt Angle the whole storyline with Kurt Angle his sort of slow face turn I know it was during the, the invasion angle and it was just a bit all over the place but those two matches that Austin and Angle had at SummerSlam and Unforgiven that year were just sensational. The I remember specifically it was a SummerSlam match between Austin and Angle. Austin was just give, dishing out Stone Cold stunners to the ref, and then going for the pinfall when the stunned cut. The, the second substitute ref that would come down would do the two count. Austin would stun that ref. It was just hell bent and causing chaos. He didn't care what happened. Um, and it was just utter bedlam. It was, I remember it fondly. Just a mental case. What about yourself? Um, there's a few. You know, you know what I did like see when Austin went into his sort of cheesy, corny, like happy singing songs to Vince, etc. And then <laughs> that eventually led to where Vince turned up at the bar and was saying to Austin that, you know, oh. we're, we're up against it. And, like, that had been building for weeks and weeks and weeks. Aye. And it ultimately led to that humongous pop he got when he came down. Um, that, I, I, I enjoyed that little bit. Um, 
Daniel Bryan's from Daniel Bryan from the build up to the Cena match at um, SummerSlam mm-hmm. to then ultimately being crowned at WrestleMania was was amazing. Um, ah, he was on fire. Uh, man, this is difficult because there's, there's quite a lot. Um, I know. I'm probably going to go with CM Punk in the summer of Punk I would, or when they won the like when they won the title and kept it for a long time. Yes, right? yes, not the summer of Punk one because they kept the title for was it like it was over here. I think it was like fourteen. But well, no, it was sixteen odd months. I think he kept it. And and the amazing thing about that was, it was he was a full blown heel, and he had people cheering for him, and he then somehow got those people that were cheering for him to boo him. And it was just simple things. I remember, I can't remember what it was on a raw. And I can't remember where it was. He was cutting a promo, and people were cheering. And he was like, "No, no, no," because yours don't get cheered because yours are the same ones. That what was this quote? I think it quote was something along the lines that you're the ones you cheer, but you're the ones that are ramming um, cups in my face and trying to get autographs, and you go sell on eBay because you can't get a real job or something like that. I can't remember. I don't know if that was his pipe bomb, but he said something along the lines, and I, and I can't really remember the promo myself now, the exact words. But he he had this ability to make people who loved him to hate him then just because he was so good at being a heel. That that entire run was amazing. And the fact that it came to an end um, by being beaten by a single fucking people's elbow. <laughs> really, that really, really irritated me. and annoyed the hell out of me. Aye. Um, I don't give a shit what took place in the match build-up to that match because it should have... For me, it should have gone something like rock bottom and then he kicks out. Rock picks him up goes bang and hits him with another rock bottom and then doesn't even go for it and picks him up again and does it again. Because that would have shown like, look at all, rocks, for real rocks desperate to be here and it would have sort of solidified that moment where people would have been like, oh, he's not just here for a a payday or whatever to promote a movie and and from a kayfabe storyline point of view, that's what you'd have fed into. They've been like, look at that guy still got that aggression, still loves doing it, still is desperate for it. And then I would have had Punk like kick out as soon as the three went, and it would have been like, look at that. It didn't take one, two, but it took three people's elbows, and even at that, you barely get the win over him. They booked that all wrong, that ending, but that entire run was, was amazing from Punk. Um, aye, that... That's one of my absolute all-time favourites. It was good stuff. I mean, I've, that was during the time where I didn't watch it that much, as you know. But what I remember was he was a face for a while, but then he actually gave the Rock a go to sleep. Was it on the two? I can't remember the thousandth episode of Raw. So maybe, um, and, that, and that's the thing. Like the beauty, like I know I didn't like the ending of it, but the beauty of it was that you had the guy who was one of the top two guys of his era up against probably, there's no probably about it, 
be number one guy of his era. So it was like that all, that whole, you know how people like to say, oh, who would have done well in all these fantasy matchups. When we got one of them, it was like we got icons from two different eras, and it sort of made people choose. Oh no, I'm the old school Rocky guy, or I prefer the new school. This, I'm this era, and that I'm era, and it's sort of like, and it, it just sort of leads us to the next question: What is your favourite era of wrestling? Well, and, be, and, and sorry, sorry, and just for bearing in mind, folks, like because of our age, like it basically starts at the Attitude Era for us. Aye. Uh, I know that right now we've probably got the best crop of talent going just in terms of an in-ring perspective and mm-hmm. I know that people harp on regularly about the Attitude Era and I get that, I do get it it was chaos back then there were less rules, it was a bit more racy and all that stuff so you had sort of more mature content but I've, uh, well, I do and always will have a soft spot for this, the first few years of the Ruthless Aggression Era so you're talking what Middle of 2002 onwards to about 2007, I would say. I know it went on a wee bit longer. You've always said that. You've always said that. I just had too many of my favourites that that combined really good wrestling with really good stories and promos work and stuff like that. So you're talking the likes of Benoit, Guerrero, Edge, Angle, Lesnar to a certain extent. And I know that you didn't have the likes of Austin and The Rock there as much. But, and after a couple of... American Badass was excellent, an excellent gimmick, but I think I preferred The Undertaker's work when he became the, the dead man again, and he sort of slimmed down again, and slimmed down and sort of muscled up, and was more fit again in the ring. He put on a lot of classic matches with the likes of Kurt Angle, Edge, Batista, I mean The Undertaker, Batista stuff, but for a, that was the same kind of scenario as Edge, where it was a star-making few months for Batista. Mm-hmm. But and I know it keeps getting on, going on about it as well, but the, your Smackdown 6, they were putting on unbelievable matches every pay-per-view, like every week. Uh, so the likes of Edge, Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Chavo, Mysterio as well, he had an excellent first few years before he started getting a wee bit more injury-prone. So I would say the Ruthless Aggression Era. I know that later on it got a bit shit with the likes of... Kenzo Suzuki and Rene Dupree as the tag champs and stuff like that but the earlier days were just top notch especially even I will even include John Cena in that conversation because he was just at the time he wasn't that annoying guy who just gets booked into every sort of main events thing that he gets going to him Um. I, I I agree with, with your sort of your assessment. That was a good era because it was it wasn't quite like PG. It wasn't quite it's all about Cena. It was still sort of like the remains. We were still trying to push away from the attitude era, but they obviously couldn't do it like overnight. So you still had some people from the attitude era blending with some of the newer guys. Um. I mean, I think there's the eras we could we're probably looking at is attitude, ruthless aggression, ruthless. Ru- is it again? Ruthless aggression. Mm-hmm. That quote unquote PG 
And I almost feel like the punk, I keep going back to him, but the punk story and the punk era in itself is an era, and now you've got the current one. Uh, the punk one for me, well, when when we look back in about 10, 15 years, or even now, I think we're going to realise just what CM Punk meant to wrestling and how much what he achieved allowed other guys to go on and achieve. But I'm probably going to go with uh, nowadays. Put, let's put booking and all this part-time champions and people being, quote-unquote, forced down our throats. <laughs> I just feel that talent-wise, this matches up with a lot of... It matches up with every single era. I understand when you look back at the Attitude Era, like, you literally had, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Undertaker or The Rock versus Triple H, like, on random Raws, Smackdowns and stuff, on random Sunday Night Heats. But a lot of these guys are just as good, if not better, than a lot of those guys back then. They just haven't got that reputation as yet. Um, but I think in about five, ten years' time, you're going to look at it and say, wow, you literally had some of the absolute all-time greats competing in this era. So I'm probably going to go just go edge, edge it to this era. Um, Alright, okay. As long as we get the past current, the part-time thing. I'll, I'm, I can ignore the part-time thing because see, the reality is, like, see when Brock first turned, returned, I was absolutely pumped for that. I enjoyed Brock's first title run. I did. Um, don't get me wrong, like, we want to criticise Brock and all that, but see every sort of uh, title match he's had since winning the title, they've, I've actually enjoyed the matches, apart from the Braun one. Um, so I enjoyed the Joe one, I enjoyed the SummerSlam one, I enjoyed his obviously match, even though it wasn't for a title, but the Survivor Series one, and I enjoyed the one at Royal Rumble there. It was just not defended enough, but that's a discussion for a different time. So I, I, can, I can move past the whole part-time thing. Um and just focus on everything else because I think we're really spoiled at the moment in in the fact that we're sitting saying that oh this guy needs to get a push into the main event but then we're saying it about someone else a day later and then we're saying it about someone else a few days later and stuff like that there's a lot of guys who can be quote unquote the guy or be in that number one spot and like I said I think in about five ten years time we're going to look back and say fuck we didn't realise just how good that year actually was aye I think I know what you mean. Like, it's, Brock hasn't had the worst of matches since the, he's shown vulnerability as the week, year has went on. But as you say, it's a different. That's another conversation for a different day. Since see, like I picked ruthless aggression as my favourite. Who would you say? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to take Cena out of the equation here because I want a purist, like a pure wrestling answer. So someone that combi- combines the wrestling, the promos, maybe not even the promos, and uh, just the sort of charisma and stuff like that. Who would you say are the most sort of influential top three from the Ruthless Aggression era? Um, that have had such a lasting impression. And I'm not excluding Cena, because that's a sort of commercial success more than anything. For me, it's kind of easy. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, two of them are dead. Edge, Edge, Eddie Guerrero and Benoit. Three of the absolute all-time greats. And in 
Chris Benoit, I think a guy that could argue been one of the top three guys I've ever seen in my life. Ah, he was. See, at the time especially, he was like the best wrestler going. Benoit never had the promo ability of the other two guys. But Benoit's wrestling ability was almost uncomparable. It was devastating. It was unbelievable. And I know we're not allowed to talk about we're not allowed to talk about etc. No one speaks about him for obvious reasons and what happened and all that, but Chris Benoit as a wrestler, what he done in that ring was every bit as good as anyone we'll ever ever see. I mean, look at um, me. So for me that that's a kinda easy answer because Edge is also one of the greats and Eddie's also just an absolute icon as well. Um, like you say, because we're, we're talking just just sort of stars of that era, it's obviously seen as in there. Obviously, um, I never included Taker in it because Taker's went like I felt he was he's more you'd associate him more with the Attitude Era as opposed to any other era because I just like that's where I feel like he became the Undertaker sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and there's one or two others you could always throw in there, I suppose. Um, Batista. Yeah, um, got a lot of time for Batista. Again, you could maybe say Jericho, but again, I still associate him with the the attitude era. Oh, he did his best work, but and like on either side of the ruthless aggression era, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, so that's for me was kind of easy because just how great those three were. I I would say. Uh, probably just have the same answer as yourself to be honest with you um, I mean I can't ignore Kurt but he did a no, lot of work see, that's the thing like again that for me that last year when he was the ECW champion it was like jeez you're just wasting this guy now Aye, it, it, and was he was, a... his body was slightly starting to fall apart but again I associate Kurt with Attitude Era more than anything and he was injured a lot so was Edge hmm but I just think, in terms of the whole, I feel as if I can't leave Kurt out because he's probably overall my favourite. Mm-hmm. But I'll just go with the same answer as yourself: Edge, Benoit, and Guerrero. I think. I think it's hard to to argue. Against those three, um, so I don't have any issues with that whatsoever. So I think, um, I say, and, and because we've obviously mentioned those three, and obviously two of them have passed away, that you would love to bring them back if you could bring bring them back, sort of like for one match. It, like, it would be an absolute joy, and I think everyone would love to see them again, but. If you could bring any wrestler from any era to the current one, obviously they could be retired or obviously if they've passed away. Or you could just say, I would like to see, like, say someone like The Undertaker from the Attitude Era or whatever take on someone here. So if you could bring any wrestler from any era to to the current one, who would it be and tell me the, um, the three wrestlers you would like to see them have a match with? I know that answer already. Shawn Michaels. Does can, I, can I take a guess at your three? I'm I'm not sure which era that I prefer. 
Dus mijn en haar geestje gaan en dan wie men Airwise Honestly there's been more classics for me in Sean Michael's second career so I'm going to choose his second career and feel free mm-hmm. to guess which three wrestlers I'm talking about that I want him to wrestle AJ oh, uh-huh. Seth yes now this one comes down to two I think I'm, I'm, oh, nah, I would come down to two I want to say Sammy or were you thinking Finn I was thinking Neville. Ah, okay. Yeah, that'd be good. I think Neville... Michaels plays that baby-face in peril really well. When he's... I mean, I'm thinking directly to the the stuff... With, even with JBL, when, he, when Michaels was apparently skint and bankrupt, um, he played a, a sad... He cut a sad figure. But the stuff with Jericho as well, you'd really, really rooted for Michaels in those times. So, and with Neville, the run that he was on last year, just this evil, evil heel, I think that those, they would be excellent matches. The other three, all three, just from a pure wrestling standpoint, definitely. Um, hmm. I was going to say Shawn Michaels as well. I'm going to change it. My three for Shawn Michaels would have been Sammy, AJ and uh, Seth. Sammy's a good so I'll shout. change it. I'll change it on the fly right now to... Uh, so I've narrowed it to three. Prime, Kurt Angle. Whatever you want to argue. Is that the, the Attitude Era or the start of the Ruthless Aggression? Aye. Uh, no. Or Eddie or Benoit. Oh. Now, I don't know if I can say Chris Benoit for like political reasons. You're on a fan <laughs> podcast, you're alright. <laughs> no, I'm going to say Chris Benoit. Or not punk as well. <laughs> right, no, we'll go Chris Benoit. And who will he wrestle in his trilogy, return trilogy? I'm going to try and get sort of three different kind of wrestles if I can. So... Cesaro being one I will say obviously AJ being the other and the final one I want to say Sammy but I'll I'll change it to this is difficult (sighs) maybe Finn Maybe Finn. Ben Wan Finn. Maybe. You're missing someone, are you not? Are you talking about current wrestlers? Yes. I was going to say, what about Brian? Yeah. Aye, yeah. I mean, I love Daniel Bryan, but my love for someone that's CM Punk is much greater than my love, my, my love for Daniel Bryan. Um, and, and, and to your Shawn Michaels one, Johnny Gargano's a shout as well. Yes. Although they did sort of have a match recently, though, didn't they? No, it was just oh, Gargano. Ah, they had the they had the the ab off. That was cancelled. 
Oh, damn it, was it? You would have seen pictures all over social media with that bad boy. <laughs> no, I think um, the Daniel Bryan one, um, it would be it would be excellent. But like I say, for me, it's um, Punk was my favourite of the two. Um, and I know I've just said my favourite of the two. So who? Who would you say is your top five of all time? Like, for whatever reason, it could be. Right, so Kurt, obviously. Right. That's a given. We've, I mean, we're kind of not repeating ourselves as as much, but... Well, I think our top five, I, can, I know at least three of them are probably going to be the same. Right, so Kurt, Edge, Michaels... Jericho and Undertaker but Undertaker needs to go away <laughs> and Jericho it's a good top 5 it's a good top 5 I mean Jericho's just he revitalised himself he was doing the return spots for a couple of years but tail end last year well 2016 he started the whole list stuff didn't he mm-hmm. Um 2017 it was really good and then that stuff in New Japan he's just reinvents himself constantly and to be relevant for the better part of like 25 years is just shocking I know um, right in no particular order because I've said to you before uh, no. that order changes day in day out so we're going to go Taker who I've said has gone to my head he would be number one of all time HBK, Kurt, Benoit. Did you not just say five there, no? No. Taker. <laughs> Taker, Kurt, HBK, Benoit. In the final spot, probably comes down to Eddie, and I would probably. Maybe Jericho. I feel like if CM Punk never left when he did, there'd be no doubt he'd be in my top five. Um, but I'll say Jericho. I think for Jericho, for the same reasons yourself, he he stayed relevant, stayed on top, made changes to his character. Sometimes just subtle little changes, sometimes just dramatic changes. Um. I remember one time he came back. Uh, I can't remember if he was wearing his light-up jacket at the time. But he came down and the the place went crazy. And all he'd done was walk around the ring or inside the ring just shouting, yeah, yeah, over and over and over again to the point that people were like, right, you're irritating me now. So he comes back as a face and within five minutes the crowd have turned on him because he's found him annoying and he's now a heel. And it's like, that, that is amazing. That that was amazing. It's a genius. So again, it, that, that's what it is, just subtle little things. Um, Taker, I've said time and time again, a guy who was at the top of his game for so long, again, who made changes to his character, subtle changes sometimes, big changes, and I've never seen a guy who's as dedicated to his kayfabe as this guy is. He's, 
he was kayfabe, he was Undertaker throughout his entire life. Um, and I found that amazing as well. Benoit and Kurt, like, for obvious reasons, and HPK once again, for obvious reasons. Um, guy, like I say, like, the fact that people can argue which version of HBK was, was better uh-huh. just shows you the greatness of him. And a true legend of the game. Like, unbelievable. So. Right, well, that's like, obviously it's easy, well, it's hard to narrow down our favourite ones, but is there a wrestler who didn't become, who didn't become a lot like a sort of long-term main eventer? Like a sort of top guy of the company that we, you would have made a main eventer? Long-term main event. <sighs> So, for instance, say if you were to pick Ziggler, I would count him because he was only at the top for a couple of months. I mean, in defence of what happened with Dolph was, I think we gave him a title against Del Rio, right? And then, this sort of in a space of a few weeks, or like a month or whatever, they had flipped. That Ziggler was now the face and Del Rio was the heel. And Ziggler got concussed in one of the matches... I don't know if it was in build-up to the match or during the match. I can't remember. And that basically got rid of all his momentum. And he never really trusted him after that. Which is a shame. So, is this question, is it, is this like of all time or just of certain eras? No, just if there's one off the top of your head of all time. I mean, you could have made CM Punk like... I legit would, the biggest star ever I wouldn't count him in that but I know I know I know I know I'm just saying he was um, a long time main eventer in the same to the same in the same sense you could have done the same with Daniel Bryan but I understand what you're saying um, Ziggler in recent times I would say um, I think you could also maybe say the Miz but I think Miz has found his niche I think he's found his spot and if he's going to go to the main event scene it would be twin SmackDown, but I don't even class Miz as a mid-card guy. I think he's made that Intercontinental title so relevant, and he's just took himself further up the ladder. I couldn't even put him in that. Um, I think I would probably lean to Dolph because the pop he got when he cashed in was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, Cesaro as well. That that. Yeah. Man, he's just he's got he's he's legit got a main event singles run in him, and that guy was putting on some great individual uh, singles matches, coming back from his injury and before his injury and stuff. Sammy as well. Sammy would probably be my pick actually. I think there's still time for him. I mean, I, so if we're going, like, if we're ignoring the fact that it could, it could happen in the future, but if we're saying to this day, like I've said it to you, I think Sammy's one of the top three or four wrestlers in the company. Uh huh. Um, and aside from Johnny, before Johnny Gargano became what he is right now, I, st- I still think Sammy Zayn was your was your next Daniel Bryan. Like the storyline, everything was there. And I, and I think Gargano might get that spot. Maybe not. Maybe he might go to 205. No idea. 
but you had a chance to make Sami Zayn an absolute superstar. That's a huge, huge baby face. And at the time of recording, his heel run has just become quite disappointing because of this shit story that he's embroiled in. That's it. It's like the only way to save the heel run would be to do sort of unexpected, what we've said on air before, is to keep him heel and turn KO face. Uh huh. Just to see what the dynamics are there. Aye, they'd need to do something different if that's what they're going to be doing for mm-hmm. WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I think it would definitely, it would definitely, I think it would add intrigue and it would be a different element to their match. Because every single match we've seen so far, it's been Kyo's heel and Sammy's the face. Uh-huh. So it would just, it would just add something different to it. it but I just can't we're picture. Sort of going off course a wee bit here. So what about yourself? Well, before you. Before I decide, I just can't picture Kevin Owens as a a sort of hero. He's always an anti-hero to me. But anyway, I would say I was actually going to cheat to you and say I've not got an answer, but I do, and I'm going to pick Bray Wyatt. He, Good answer. Thank you. Uh, he obviously held the title for, it was just a month, wasn't it, last year? And yep. they've wasted him. Like, he has see on paper he's a really good character he could have been the modern day he really could have been the modern day undertaker with the at the time it wasn't exactly supernatural it was just that sort of twisted southerner um, backwards guy who was full of riddles and um, tongue, no tongue twisters that's not the word I'm looking for just really cryptic sort of sinister promos they've overdone it now to the point of ridicule but they could have made him an absolute monster star and not sure why they haven't. It's just fell flat in its arse, really. And it's a shame because he, he did have all this, the makings to be at the top of the mountain. And it was good, it was really refreshing to see him as the champion in SmackDown last year. The stuff he was... I mean, did you see the replica belt that he had made? For mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that was sexy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> When it I think like, I retweeted or I liked it or I sent it in our group. But that was sexy as hell, uh, that belt. It looked like something that a Leatherface, it was like skin wrapped together and oh, stuff like that. Oh, that was excellent. And I that's know, the thing, like... He could have done stuff like that. Really mm-hmm. brought some edge and sinisterness to the main event scene. Apart and from like... His, see, if you just go back and listen to his promos from NXT and then when he, when he first came up to the main roster... My fucking god, the man! Like I couldn't believe some of the stuff it was. Like I was hearing, I was like, "This is unbelievable." I know. You uh, forget that he's a good wrestler. Like, there was a. I don't know what podcast he was on now. It might have been with Jericho, where he's talking about that feud they were having with Kane, and he pitched an idea, and I was like, "Oh my god, that sounded amazing!" I had a real leatherface. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre feel to it. It says basically along the lines that like they were going to be in some sort of compound or house or whatever. Kane was like walking around or whatever, and he could hear Bray's voice. And then he went into a room and it was basically just it was a a recording of Bray's voice over and over again. And I think basically it was like 
I can't remember if it was going to be hanging bodies or it was body parts or <laughs> something like it was something very very creepy and sinister and they were like no well we can't really do that but it would have just added to that whole southern cult um, satanic sort of like mentality mm-hmm. character he had um, Cause remember that stuff that he had with Roman Reigns in mm-hmm. 2015 where Roman would go into a room and there was pictures of Roman with his family, like photos all over the room and they'd scratched his eyes out. Mm-hmm. That was horrendous. They could have really done stuff with that and that was a not bad feud. It went on a wee bit too long. I think they were just trying to flesh it out until they got to Hell in a Cell. But they they, they could do stuff like that and they I think they missed a trick. And I think, on you go. We're borderline at the point where, for me personally, anyway, that we're done with Bray. I know a lot of people feel that, but for me, you're borderline. Like you can still revive this character. You can still make him what we thought he could be, but it's going to take a lot of work. A lot of work. They had a bit, but they but, still have a chance—a slight, slight chance. But see, when they gave him a title last year, you just had to look, see that the internet was buzzing. People couldn't believe that they actually gave him a title. That just shows you how much people, how badly people wanted it, and it's come at a time where it was unexpected, and where a lot of people, quite frankly, didn't really care too much about Bray Wyatt character. But it just shows. We gave him a title and everyone was like, oh my god, I can't believe we've done that. And everyone was just invested in him again. It's a shame, like, they missed a trick. He could have been the face. I think it was the night after The Rock beat Eric Rowan in six seconds at Mania. Uh, and it looked like mm. Roman Reigns was going to be turning face. And then, because remember that gift that you'd sent me that you were in love with, where Roman Reigns, no, Roman and Bray were in a tag team against people for the League of Nations. Bray had, I can't remember who he was pinning, but there was someone about to break up the pin and Roman Reigns was in the background about to spear Seamus, I think. And Bray just did the sort of finger trigger thing, spot on exact time with Roman hitting the spear. Remember that? I remember, I remember that. <laughs> everyone, everyone thought they were going to turn on face and it felt like that for a couple of weeks. Well, he got injured though, didn't he? And it, but then they started, get, they started getting a reaction though. Like, as faces, and it was like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing, this could be even better than the seal run. Because it, it felt... It felt like that, the way the Rock and Cena cut the promos. That night, at Mania. Because... I've seen... It just felt like it. Because remember, Undertaker's had a great time, but he was a heel for the first part of his career. And... Obviously, looking back, we can applaud it, but at the time, it wasn't that effective. It was when he turned face that he got major traction and became the main event star that we know that he is now. So like, they could have turned... Like I know he was injured, but if Bray was face, they could have had something really special there with Bray. Was Taker ever a, 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 a heel post the invasion angle? Well, literally right at the end of the invasion angle. Because remember... Uh, he was about to join the Kiss My Ass Club. Oh, no, oh what was it? It was... Oh, no, it was... was JR. Bike, biker Taker was... I mean, he, he was a... He was I'm a, sure at one point he was a heel. 
he was a heel until he started feuding with he was a heel from like December 2001 to later on in 2002 when he started feuding with Brock mm. so he was a heel for a wee bit there and then he had some heel tendencies when he decided to bury Paul Bearer in cement what was that all about I mean <laughs> and the thing, it was just that like, it made sort of sense it was like I'm sorry like people have figured out my one weakness and it's you so I've got to get rid of it and it was quite dark and sinister but it was like it was just so fake <laughs> it was terrible <laughs> like, why would they do that no idea but he was also part of like one of the best heels uh, stables I've saw oh, in the a long cor- time. The corporate ministry. The ministry of, oh, jeez, when, when he was like pinning people to the body, the big the big taker sign. I remember one time he had Austin up there. I think he had quite a lot of people up there. He had Stephanie up there before Big and, Austin uh, saved the day. Uh, so I like that that stable that heel stable he was in. That's Ministry of Darkness was. I really enjoyed that as well. See, just subtle little things, just all changing his character is why I love the guy so much. Speaking of heel stables, right, this actually takes us to the, the final the final sort of talking point of the night. Mm-hmm. Can you, throughout all of history, create your ultimate heel stable? So, I want you to pick a heel tag team, a heel woman. And well, it doesn't even have to be a heel, but if you think they would be better as a heel, so a tag team, a woman a mid-carder who is sort of like the muscle of the group, so to speak, and you've got your main eventer, so someone who's like the heel champ, and they're also the mouthpiece slash manager of the stable. I've got, I'm still not sure of one or two, but I've got the others. Right. So, the muscle of the group, I didn't realise it was going to be the muscle of the group. Well, it doesn't have to be the muscle. It doesn't, but I took that into consideration and actually did. So my I, I, my four that I came up with in terms of who my mid cards guy was going to be, I was either going to go with the Miz, Yokozuna, <laughs> um, Batista from Evolution days. Not Deacon Batista days. No, 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 no. And this final one might shock you a little. Now, is this for your mid card? Yeah. So and I'm just saying who I had and now who I'm going to pick. And my fourth out of the my fourth guy was Bam Bam Bigelow. That is out of left field beyond belief. Yes, so I've, I went and I, I, I went with Batista for the reason I didn't realise we were going to have the muscle, but I wanted that. I wanted the muscle, um, so I felt Batista would be my muscle. My tag team would be modern day Usos. Yep, mine as well. My, my female enforcer or female one would be China. Nice, like ninety-seven, ninety-eight, China. Yep. And the leader of the group. I think you know who I'm going to pick anyway. I don't. No, really. Do you not have to hazard a guess? Right, so a heel main eventer. Yep. No, I don't. I'm not sure who you would pick. CM Punk. Ah. One of the best guys in the ring I've, I've seen. One of the best guys on the mic. A guy who opened the door for so many people. And everybody's in the wrestling, in the WWE. A guy 
just he could do anything and everything. So he would be my main event slash mouthpiece leader slash leader. So if, if if I was to get a manager though, my manager would either be Heyman or Cornette. God damn. <laughs> but I uh, you know that's my my uh, CM Punk as a leader. China, Batista in the Usos. Right, well the ones I've went for um, I try to think of it as a sort of flowing booking thing so obviously when you've got a heel stable not everyone is universally hated that's very rare that that happens mm-hmm. um, and I'm thinking like probably stealing a wee bit of information from what do you call it evolution right so mid carder I would go for I would go for Benoit Right, because you've got a mouthpiece, and your main event guy, so you don't need the mid carder to talk mm-hmm. that much. So I'm going to go for Benoit there because he's the muscle. Um, he is literally the rabid Wolverine. He can sick folk into it as yep. well. I go for him. Tag team Usos as well. I can't I can't ignore what they're doing at the moment, and in terms mm-hmm. of heel work, it's actually like watching. A horror movie, like that sort of quick fire promos that they're because you remember that promo that they cut one of the first ones they cut as like the beasts that they are now when American mm-hmm. Alpha were in the ring and the Usos were out in the arena, like in amongst the fans. Yep, and I remember when you when you saw that, you text me or you split on a train and you say it looked like they were on Ekkies, it looked like they were on drugs. <laughs> like, as so like, they were that's up top. how worked up they were. Um, so the Usos, do you know you've got a really good one with the woman in Triple H, uh, Triple H China, from back in the day when she used to hang with Triple H. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about having Sasha in there. Mm. I don't know if she fits that mould. But she's an awesome heel, though, that's the thing. She's an excellent heel, but I don't know if she just fits in with the... I don't know. Would Obviously, there is China, but would you put Sasha in? I think... It's how you want to go with it, I suppose. If you wanted to go with China, it'd be a case of where we go. We've got a guy who can dominate all the men. We've got a woman who can ragdoll all the women. But you had Sasha Banks, who was such an amazing heel. She had the gimmick. She was able to talk. Um, I think you can go with either or. Well, since you've picked China, I'll go for Sasha. Because she's good on the mic, especially when she's a heel. Um, she's rough and tumble. She doesn't shit herself from anything. And she can give it, like, she can cause havoc when there's women's matches and stuff like that. So I'm going to go with Sasha. In the main event, there might be a controversial one, but I'm going to go with Triple H. Because the whole point of a heel stable, a heel stable aren't going to live forever, and there's going to be dissension in the ranks over the course of one, two years, however long they last. And three separate occasions, Triple H was like the best. He was just this monster heel for the, the monster. How do I word this? He was like the monster leader of the stables. So you had the authority. You had DX and you had evolution and he was hated even taking away the kayfabe even like even looking at it from kayfabe you couldn't stand him 
So I would have him. He, he can talk. He can bore the pants off you. You just want to see him get beat constantly. So I can't look past Triple H to be honest with you. I feel like a lot of people overlook his greatness. Aye, I mean I know there's this whole shovel thing going on, but that's what makes him a good heel. Mm. No, there's nothing wrong with that stable whatsoever. I like that one. I like that one. Triple H one really caught me by surprise. I was kind of thought you were going to go with Edge. I had thought of Edge. But I thought you were going to. I think Triple H is a better heel though. Edge is a great mm-hmm. heel. But Triple H, he's just a bastard heel. He's probably the, mm-hmm. one of the best heels that the company's seen. No, no. But, um, so obviously that has come to, to the end of our sort of questions here um, just before we wrap up I just want to say one more thing if you don't mind uh, alright okay obviously, obviously we're talking about the history of what we enjoyed and etc etc and we've been watching wrestling since we were like little kids but there was a period where you stopped watching wrestling there was quite a substantial time mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know if you might want to say want to explain why you stopped <laughs> and what got you back into it I'm going to get into trouble with the social suplex crew, you know that? (laughs) I already said a few weeks ago that Rousseff Day is a pile of shite. I know you did, I know you did. I chose to ignore that. At the time, it was about 2009, back end of 2009-10, when I was sort of falling away from it. I wasn't... I mean, there's also the whole time factor thing as well. Right, but... Jeff Hardy and Edge had a ladder match at Extreme Rules 2009 and Jeff Hardy won the title finally bested Edge after quite a long rivalry over the like when you think about it over the years because of all the carry on they had back in the tag team days in the Attitude Era and then CM Punk, a guy who I just could not take to at all, yes I say that I just wasn't interested in him, he did nothing for me just sounded like a money wee shite he came and cashed in for the money in the bank. I thought, ugh, nah, sorry, not for me. Wasn't interested, so slowly but surely I just sort of stepped away from it and didn't really pay much attention to it. I kept in touch with, like, the likes of Barry who's been on the show for a good few times. He's told me, kept me up to date with what was happening. Um, just kind of lost interest, so I'm sorry, guys and girls, um, if you've been offended for the reason why I stepped away from wrestling but for a while but it was actually yourself who got me back into it because we used to work with each other Ricky and I I was actually Ricky's boss <laughs> um, some example of a boss I was that we just sat and talked about wrestling all day but <laughs> but if uh, we're not going to get in trouble because we don't work in that place anymore so it's fine yeah Uh and you were telling me that the rise of Daniel Bryan. It was just after WrestleMania, wasn't it? 2014? I don't know if it was... It was, it was some point between WrestleMania and SummerSlam. I think it was closer to SummerSlam, no. because right, you told me that... What was it? I don't think... No, it wasn't as late as that, because I remember watching Extreme Rules and Daniel, oh, right, okay. Daniel Bryan versus Kane. I had started watching then again. Right. Uh, you'd said that Undertaker Street had been squashed with Lesnar. And that Daniel Bryan was the ultimate champion of the whole entire world. And he had this amazing run. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give that a shot again. And I think as my, well. And I remember it. My actual quote was, there's a guy getting 
Austin like pops. <laughs> and I think I said something like that it was like I've not heard this kind of these kind of pops since Austin. And I think that was me sort of maybe exaggerating a little because CM Punk was getting absolutely mega, mega pops as well, so but that's what I, I do remember saying that to you. See, I'll I'll blame I won't blame technology. I'll thank technology as well for getting me back into it. This is a random tangent, but around that time, oh nine ten, I'd moved away from home, so I didn't have access anymore. To like, I used to go to Barry's quite a lot to watch the wrestling, so there was that aspect of it. But when you've got smartphones left, right, and centre, you can watch wrestling from partially dodgy means on the likes of YouTube and stuff like that, and all the the stream sites. Uh, and then obviously the network came to be in February 2014 as well, so it was a lot easier to watch things on your phone and uh, tablets and stuff like that, so that was a, a big factor because it, just the ease of being able to watch it again instead of having to wait a couple of days to go to my pal's house to watch the wrestling, <laughs> like oh, the good yeah. old days. So that was that's my confession for anyone. I, I may have mentioned it when we had our own before the social suplex days that I mentioned this but yep. for any new listeners um, that's my my guilt is out there for you to judge me by and judge you we will aye okay thanks very much <laughs> I'll just edit all that part out <laughs> uh, I don't have anything else to add unless you do no I was just going to say I thought it would be quite good if when if and when, well not if, when this podcast gets released, that I do a wee Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, get that plug in just now, so head over to the Wrestling Squared Circle, the squared is in parenthesis, um, and when I do the link for this podcast I'll do a wee sort of discussion feed, like a sort of live feed thing just like they do for the Raw thread and the Smackdown thread, yep. and asking folk the, the same questions that we had, so stuff mm-hmm. like favourite feud, favourite stable your own personal stable so just get a wee make it an event eh? so as I say I've done the Wrestling Squared Circle plug as well as check out the rest of the shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, you've got Caleb, Carl and Rance on the SMC Wrestling Podcast you've got Jeremy and Josh on the New Japan show Keeping It Strong Style and Rich Latter and James Boyd on One Nation Radio and One Nation Live as well, which they have on the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. You can get a lot of the columns and stuff that the guys do, including myself, on the so, just socialsuplex.com. That website also has a subscribe feature, so whenever a podcast or a column is made available for the general public, if you subscribe, you can get that sent directly, directly to your email inbox. Isn't that snazzy? Yep. Um, what was the last thing I was going to say? We are at Ricky and Clive on Twitter and Facebook, and I'll put more of the sort of follow following instructions in the show notes for this episode as well. So, as I say, we had a couple of commitments coming up over March, which is a bit unfortunate because we're leading up to WrestleMania, but had to be done. So, I hope you've enjoyed this sort of step away from the current product at the moment. And, as I say, we'll get a wee community chat on the go. <laughs> that sounds so cheesy. A community chat. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Just a shout-out to everyone else on Social Suplex, as you said. And, folks, um, 
please look out for columns written by my good buddy Clive, 205 Clive, who writes on, I believe, social support as well, as well as Lord of Pains. Yep, I'm on the columns forum, 2017 Most Improved Columnist. Oh, sorry, did I say that out loud there? Yeah, you did. Prick. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say there? There was something else. Oh, you can actually view the videos, like... If you just want to sit with it on in the background on your telly, um, these are on One Nation. Is it One Nation Wrestling on YouTube? Uh, it's like a sort of YouTube version of the podcasts, and they're also on the Social Suplex page on Facebook as well. You can just sit and watch it. So I think that's it. There was definitely something else I forgot to plug. Um, I shout out to John Ross and Barry as well. Yes. Shout out to you guys. Yep. I think that's us. Will we just call it quits before I start rambling on even more? Yeah, that's fine. Right, so thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next week. Oh, Take care, guys. Right, see you later. Might night. Night. <laughs> I just said might tonight. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. See you next time.